Welcome to the Kids Are People Too podcast. I'm your host, Salita Williams, wife, mom of three little people, educator by both passion and profession, child advocate, parent consultant, and an enthusiastic supporter of you on your positive parenting journey. If you've ever questioned if your parenting methods are effective, if you've ever wished that you had just a few more tools in your proverbial parenting toolbox, or felt like you needed a slight adjustment to your parenting style, or a major one, no judgment here, then you are definitely in the right place because this podcast was curated just for you. Now, this is not your typical parenting podcast. It's actually probably one of the most unconventional parenting podcasts out there. We are not spending our time talking about how to get your kids to eat their veggies. Here, we are doing much deeper dives. Of course, we're going to talk about how to get these kids together, but we'll do that by discussing the facts that surround child developmental psychology as well as child cognitive development timelines so that we are better able to manage our expectations. We have conversations about how our own temperament, our own personality, and our own past experiences shape our approach to parenting and the significant impact that these things have on the way that our children respond to us. While this podcast has been created with parents in mind, it is not just for parents. This is for any adult that interacts with any little people in any capacity. Even if you don't yet have your own biological children or if you're not yet experiencing any challenges with your children, you can still definitely benefit from having some extra tools in the toolbox that are ready when you need to grab them. So if you are ready to learn, to grow as a person and a parent, or to just be reassured in what you're already doing, then stick around as we jump into today's episode. Hi guys. Welcome to episode three of the Kids Are People 2 podcast. Today we are talking about something that can get really controversial, especially in our community. We are going to be discussing spanking our children. Now, this episode is not just my opinion on the topic, but we'll talk about the science behind what happens in the body when our children experience any type of trauma-induced stress, which does include spanking. And we'll talk about the long-term impacts that it can leave that often go unnoticed or are wrongfully attributed to some other cause. Preschool and school-aged children who are spanked are more likely to develop anxiety and depression disorders, have more difficulty engaging positively in school, and they have more trouble keeping themselves emotionally regulated. To fully understand what's happening in our children's bodies, let's start by going back to the basics. Let's go back to high school biology 101 to recall the functions of our nervous system. Don't worry, we won't get too technical. Science is definitely not my area of expertise, so this explanation should be easy to follow. Our nervous system has two main parts. We have the central nervous system, which is made up of the brain and the spinal cord. And then we have the peripheral nervous system, which is made up of nerves that branch off from the spinal cord and extend out to all parts of our body. 
So the nervous system uses these really tiny cells called neurons to send messages back and forth from the brain through the spinal cord and to all of the nerves throughout the body. And it literally controls everything we do. It controls the way we think and learn, the way we move, the way we feel. It even controls how our bodies work from regulating our breathing to digestion, all the way down to the way that our hearts beat. Now, to me, the nervous system seems to be made up of systems of systems of systems. Um, But with that being said, there is another layer that I have to mention. So there is the somatic nervous system and its opposite. Well, I don't know if opposite is really the most appropriate term. The way that we have the central nervous system versus the peripheral nervous system, we also have the somatic nervous system versus the autonomic nervous system. And within the autonomic nervous system is the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, if you're thinking, I thought she said we weren't getting too technical, don't worry. I was just listening to myself talk just now and I'm like, Salita, that sounds very technical. But really here is where it should all start to come together and make sense. So we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems, right? So the sympathetic nervous system is designed to help us when we're in fight or flight mode. It's really in control of our response to dangerous or stressful situations. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is designed to help us shift back from this fight, flight, or freeze response and bring our bodies back to a state of calm and relaxation. So think S for stress for the sympathetic nervous system and think P for peace for the parasympathetic nervous system. In a nervous system that is functioning properly, the sympathetic nervous system would turn on when there is a real threat or danger and then the parasympathetic nervous system will regulate us back to homeostasis or a place of balance when the threat or the danger is no longer present. Every single time that a child is spanked or thinks they're going to be spanked, their sympathetic nervous system is triggered. This nervous system is also known as the involuntary nervous system because we can't control when it's triggered. It usually happens before we can even consciously process the threat. So even though a child might not feel like their life is in danger because they're getting in trouble, their bodies still get the same rush of hormones and has the same response physiologically, whether the perceived danger is being hit by a car, a fist, or a belt. Their nervous system senses danger and then fight, flight, or freeze mode is activated. Before we can even consciously process a threat, our sympathetic nervous system is already deciding, okay, am I gonna fight back? Am I gonna run? Or am I gonna freeze up and become so paralyzed by fear or a feeling of helplessness that I respond by doing absolutely nothing at all? Think about how a person might feel in a plane that's losing momentum or in a car that looks like it's about to crash on a walk alone at night with someone seemingly following you and making every turn that you make and speeding up every time you speed up, or knowing that you're about to get a whipping in 2.7 seconds. In situations like these, the sympathetic nervous system is going to immediately activate to accelerate our heart rates, 
to deliver more blood than normal to certain areas of our bodies. Parts of our lungs expand so that we can take in more air. Our blood vessels constrict, our pupils dilate, we get goosebumps, we start sweating, our blood pressure increases. I mean, even our large intestines are restricted literally to help us to not defecate on ourselves. That saying scared the shit out of me is not for nothing. That is, it's a real thing. But seriously, this is how our bodies respond to stress and danger. These are not reactions that our children should be having as a result of anything that we're doing to them or saying to them. Now that leads me to something else that may or may not surprise you. Studies have shown that being yelled at has very similar effects on the brain when compared to being physically hit. Yes, you heard that right. Reliable and valid data supports the fact that yelling at children triggers their sympathetic nervous system just the same as physical punishment. The only difference is that usually the observable physical reactions to yelling are usually more mild for most kids, but some kids are very sensitive to yelling and yelling at them will activate their sympathetic nervous system and produce the same physical responses as hitting them. That information really made me revisit and make sense of the common idea that we have about children that are so good because if you just yell and fuss at them, they cry, they feel terrible about what they did, and they never need to be spanked. So while people are thinking that things are sweet because their child just has so much integrity that they feel terrible at the thought of doing something wrong, the poor baby was really having a breakdown as a response to being yelled at. This is something that we have to think about when we decide how to respond to our kids' behavior. We always need to consider our desired effect or outcome. What do we want to happen as a result of how we interact with our children after they mess up? The goal should be to always address the misbehavior. Show them and explain to them how what they're doing is wrong and present to them our desired alternative for their future behaviors. Or even better, help them come up with better ways to handle a similar situation in the future. This is going to have a much greater long-term impact than a spanking. Our goal is to correct the behavior, not to punish the child. We expect them to mess up. We expect them to not get it right. Hello, they're new here. For some of us, it's almost like we think our kids don't learn the lesson unless they're crying or noticeably upset. I remember hearing a joke a long time ago about how some kids start crying before they even get hit because they're trying to minimize the damage while others make their whoopings worse because they refuse to cry. It's like not seeing them break or feel defeated triggers something for some parents. If that is your case, then that definitely deserves some shadow work, maybe even some therapy to get to the underlying cause so you can begin to heal and do better by yourself and your kids. Now, before I go any further, let me give a disclaimer. Not spanking does not mean no discipline. I repeat, not spanking does not mean no discipline. Kids need and want discipline consistency and structure so please do not take me saying that we shouldn't spank and yell at our kids to mean that our kids can just do whatever they want 
For whatever reason, when you tell people that you don't spank your kids, they automatically assume that your kids run your house, they act up in school, they don't respect authority, and they are just menaces to society in the making. I really don't know why y'all jump from one end of the spectrum to the other like that when there are so many other things in between, but I just want to put that out there. So I've gone way off on a tangent, so let me try to pull this back in. Back to the sympathetic nervous system. If we look at a list of common long-term effects of having an overactive sympathetic nervous system or one that was triggered significantly more often than normal, that list would be extremely long. The most common long-term effects are anxiety and depression, but others include panic attacks, digestive issues, insomnia or just poor quality sleep, restlessness, nervousness, increased irritability, violent tendencies, behavioral issues, other mental health issues, relationship issues. I mean, I could go on and on. Of course, not every person that got weapons as a child experiences every symptom on the list. However, the majority of people who were raised with spanking or yelling being a common method for addressing misbehavior, they do experience some combination of these effects. And most of them don't even realize it. They think it's just who they are or they attribute it to some other cause. We don't want our kids to experience the long-term effects of being hit and yelled at throughout their entire childhood. This really creates imbalance in the body. When the sympathetic nervous system is triggered, now the parasympathetic nervous system has to work harder to balance the effects. Remember, once you realize that that car is not about to hit you, or that plane is not about to crash, or that person actually turned one street over and they weren't following you at all, it's the parasympathetic nervous system that has to work to calm your body down. It starts to return your blood pressure, your breathing rates, and your hormone flows to normal levels as it helps your body to settle back into equilibrium. And this is the balance that the body wants to normally maintain when everything is the way that it should be. We as parents shouldn't be creating situations that regularly cause our kids' nervous systems to be overworked. They'll get enough of that because life really be life in and adulting can be stressful. So we don't want to add on to the work that they're already going to have to do later. Now, don't get me wrong, the sympathetic nervous system is triggered by any type of stress, even the good stress that you may experience if you're doing a strenuous activity such as working out. So in short bursts, healthy activation of the sympathetic nervous system is normal and good. The problems come in when this happens too often and when it's accompanied by the anxiousness and other negative feelings that would naturally come with being spanked. So what I'm saying is that our body's natural response to stress can be useful and it can give us an energizing burst of mental focus and acuity because we need that when we're in dangerous or threatening situations. So while the fight or flight response does serve a purpose, we don't need that to be triggered for the wrong reasons. I have found some recent statistics and I really want to share them with you guys. So this one is from multiple studies that were done at Harvard Medical School and their studies concluded basically that spanking a child can harm their developing brain. 
In this study, they used MRIs or brain scans to monitor kids in the study. And they found that the kids that were spanked specifically for discipline with parents that were in emotional control and not just hitting them in anger, because we know that that type of spanking would obviously be even worse. But they found that these kids that were spanked at least 12 times a year, only once with an actual object other than their parents' hands, but weren't physically abused by but weren't physically abused by a legal definition, they had 14 to 19% less gray matter in important decision-making areas of the brain. That's huge, y'all. If you're not sure what gray matter is, without getting too technical, it's basically brain tissue whose function is to process information. We can reduce that tissue within our children's brain by almost 20% just by constantly spanking and yelling at them. But that's not all. They did almost 2,000 additional studies with different groups of kids and were able to conclude that those brain changes resulted in aggression, depression, suicidal behavior, PTSD, substance abuse, delinquency, increased propensity to violence, decreased IQ levels, lower self-esteem, And I mean, these are not the long-term effects that you see in adulthood. These are the effects that researchers were able to observe during the course of their studies. I mean, with the data and the science, we should have enough to conclude that hitting our children as a method to teach them is just not it. They are just people that are younger than we are. That does not justify them being hit for messing up or for being defiant no more than a wife deserves to be beat by her husband or an employee deserves to be beat by their supervisor when they mess up. Being an authoritative figure does not justify using physical punishment as a means of teaching or correcting. I always say that if we cannot teach our children and help them modify their undesirable behaviors without hitting them or yelling at them, then the problem is us, not them. I really sat back and thought about why we spank our kids. Like, where did that whole idea even come from? What made us raise up our hands or some object and hit our kids because they did something wrong when we would never try to correct an adult in the same way? One thing I can tell you is that it is definitely not some inherently black thing to do. It's actually learned behavior and a trauma response. It is very well documented that Europeans brutalized their kids for thousands of years before ever colonizing Africa. However, historians and anthropologists have been able to find zero evidence that any ritualistic form of physical discipline for children existed in Africa prior to the start of the slave trade. It was just not in our cultural practices to spank our kids, not in Africa, not here in America before it was colonized too, nor anywhere else in the African diaspora or, you know, where African people were dispersed in groups throughout the world. As a collective, we're simply just still responding to our kids' behavior from trauma and out of the lack of knowing what to do instead. I mean, I'm sure it happened. I don't believe that there is anything new under the sun and no one is doing anything for the very first time. So do I think that spanking had its place in our ancient parenting practices in our culture? Yes, to a certain extent. However, it was clearly not the norm 
And it was clearly not a culturally or socially acceptable thing to do because there's no reliable documented evidence of it. And there's evidence of everything else. So it wasn't normalized just because some people decided to do it. That's when values were allowed to be a thing and you couldn't be counseled for articulating your views based on your values and holding your community accountable to the values that you set. When we were enslaved in this country and being subjected to barbaric treatment, of course, we had to adapt to survive. Slave owners beat slaves brutally. So parents started spanking their kids first to get them in line. They were trying to get in front of their kids' behavior, hoping that they'd catch on more quickly. Mothers had to compartmentalize their natural instincts to be loving and nurturing, gentle and patient. There was no longer any time to allow kids to go through their processes. They needed them to get with the program quickly. There definitely is truth in the origins of parents saying, this hurts me more than it hurts you. It literally did hurt them. That was not their way. They were doing what they thought they needed to do to survive. You have to remember that the wives of slave owners were beating so many black children to death in Virginia that they had to pass a law to protect them. They literally passed a law regarding the casual killing of enslaved people that basically said that murder is not a felony if it happens as a result of a slave owner correcting their slave or if the slave resists the slave owner in any way. So we spend hundreds of years spanking our children when they mess up to teach them quickly what they should and shouldn't do in efforts to protect them from a more severe or harsh punishment. This is traumatic. Then we fast forward to a time when there is no threat of being beat by a slave owner, but we've already been reprogrammed for centuries. So now we still beat them out of fear and love, but now we're beating them so they don't act up and embarrass us at school. We're beating them so the police won't do it. We're beating them so the world doesn't do it. We can't say that we were dehumanized because of how we were treated during slavery, but then we bring some of the practices from that same evil institution into our own homes. Spanking in the black community is really just a byproduct of centuries of slavery, the racial terrorism of the Jim Crow era, and our persistent exposure to racism, both covertly, systemically, and overtly. Black parents really have been encouraged to take part in the dehumanization process of our black children since this country was even founded. We've lost so much of ourselves, so much of our culture, our values, our spiritual practices and belief systems, and it feels like we've lost our connection to each other. This can make it really hard to connect with our little people on a level so deep that we genuinely know and understand them enough to know how to deal with them, how to talk to them, how to correct them, how to engage them in meaningful and effective ways. One thing that I found on my parenting journey is that everything that shows up in a negative way in my parenting is a direct reflection of some personal work that I need to do. A lot of us don't really believe that our kids should be hit and talked to crazy just because they messed up. The real problem is that we don't know what to do instead. We're not able to regulate our own emotions long enough to deal with our kids properly. 
And we have a huge fear of being judged based on our parenting style. That I know you're about to beat their butts is so annoying to me. Every time kids do anything that is normal for children to do, whether it needs to be corrected or not, you have somebody looking at you like, are you going to beat them? No, actually, I'm not. We're about to take some deep cleansing breaths, maybe step out into the sun, anything that helps us get regulated. And then we're going to talk about our feelings and they will have a safe space to express themselves. And we'll talk about behavior modifications that need to happen and how that looks I'll tell them what I want them to do and not what I don't want them to do. So they'll have an actionable expectation that they can meet. But because we don't know what to do instead, we resort back to our trauma-induced default settings. We go on autopilot and we beat the kids when they mess up because we have no idea what to do instead. If our parenting toolboxes are empty, then we need to be aware of that and own it. Because then we can empower ourselves through information and learning. There's help out here. There are all kinds of books and podcasts, courses, seminars. You have to do your due diligence to sift through the BS to find the solid content. You have to vet your sources and find the things that resonate with you and the things that feel right. But the knowledge is out there. And most importantly, it's within A lot of times we mess up because we're looking for answers from some outside source when we really just need to go inside ourselves. We really just need to silence everything else, get quiet, get still, listen, and get in tune. It takes work. I'll be the first to admit that. We really have to do an honest assessment and determine just how hard we're willing to work to grow and to change for our children, for ourselves for our future and our legacy. We talk about disrupting negative cycles and breaking generational curses, but it should always most definitely start with ourselves, then our kids and our families, and finally out into our communities. The work that one of us does is for all of us. Okay, today's show is a wrap. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll receive alerts when new episodes drop and please leave a five-star review. Also, make sure you've joined the Kids Are People Too Parenting group on Facebook. I'm working on some content to get the group up and running and follow us on Instagram at KAPT Podcast. Lastly, you can send topic requests or listener questions via email to kids at dosesofmelanin.com. As you go throughout the remainder of this week and into the next, remember that you are not alone on this journey to grow as a parent and as a person. These babies don't come with instruction manuals and we are all here for the first time just trying to figure it all out. In that sense, we aren't very much different than our kids. As you continue on your positive parenting journey, give yourself grace and most importantly, Give your kids grace and the space to learn and grow. We'll talk next week. Later.